Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the 107th division of the psalm. We're going to read the first two verses and then we'll skip down and read verses 8 and 9. Understand there's been a little problem with my microphone the last three weeks. We've been working on it every week and I'm a work in progress. So hopefully we've got it better this morning. And uh, but we're working on it. Amen. That's the reason why we're in here before our grand opening, so we can get all the bugs out, figure everything out, and uh, get everything ready for the grand opening uh, the third Sunday in January. All right. In the 107th division of the psalm and verse number one, the psalmist writes, and he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord today. God, we thank you, Lord. There is so much that we have to be grateful and thankful for. God, you have been so incredibly and unbelievably good, so much better to us than we deserve. And we are so grateful and we are so thankful. God, I pray your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. And God, give us ears to hear the word of the Lord, we ask, all for the glory of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we are going to continue our sermon series that I am simply calling Thankful. Now, last Sunday we took a little bit of time and talked about some reasons to be thankful. How many of you have a reason this morning or several reasons to be thankful? Well, we talked about so many reasons that we have to be thankful. But today I want to talk about some enemies of thankfulness. How many know that we have some enemies concerning thankfulness? Now, if we're going to practice a lifestyle of thankfulness, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm promoting. Now, I understand that it's the Thanksgiving season. I understand that Thanksgiving Day is just around the corner. You know, on Thanksgiving Day, the very same people that have grumbled and complained all year long will gather together and pause for one day to be thankful. The fact of the matter is, most of them will not even make it through one day without grumbling about something. Did you hear about the, about the old guy that was never happy? He was never thankful about anything. No, no, no matter what it was, he, would always, he could always find something wrong with whatever it was. One morning, his wife asked him what he wanted for breakfast. And he said to his wife, he said, I want two eggs. And he said, I want you to fry one and I want you to scramble the other. So his wife fried one egg and scrambled the other. And as she placed his plate in front of him, she noticed a big scowl on his face. 
And she says, what's wrong now? He said, you scrambled the wrong egg. Some people, they just don't have it in them to be grateful. They, they can't even be thankful for anything. But I'm not talking about a day of thanksgiving. I'm talking about a lifestyle of thankfulness. Now listen, if we practice a lifestyle of thankfulness, we will have to become intentional about it. If we're going to have a lifestyle of thankfulness, it's going to require work. It will only happen if we make a conscious decision to be thankful and then we become diligent about the practice of being consistently thankful. So let's talk a little bit this morning about some enemies that we're going to have to overcome if indeed we are going to have a lifestyle of thankfulness. There are three of them that I want to talk about this morning. The first one is our selfish nature. Amen. Our selfish nature. You see, man is born with a selfish nature. See, you, you don't have to teach a toddler to be selfish, do you? Selfishness comes automatic. fact of the matter is, one of the very first words that a toddler will learn is the word, Mine! It's usually kind of like in this order, mama, dad, dad, mine. And for most people, they are born selfish and they never grow out of it. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 13, it talks about, it talks about Abraham and Lot. Abraham was actually still Abram at the time, but we know him better as Abraham. So, so it talks about Abraham and Lot and how they were so blessed with livestock that the Bible says that the land could not contain uh, both of them and all of their livestock. And so they were going to have to separate. And Abraham gives his nephew Lot a choice of which land that he would want. Whichever land you choose, Abraham said, I will take what's left over, or I will take the land that you don't choose. So what did Lot do? He allowed his selfish nature to take over, didn't he? Listen to this verse, Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 and 11. So Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, and he saw that it was well watered everywhere. It was like the garden of of Eden. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. Well, of course he did. You see, man is born with a selfish nature and few ever conquer it. Jesus chose 12 disciples and, and it just seems to me that these 12 men were always constantly jockeying for position. Now, James and John, no doubt, they came about their selfishness, you know, because, because it seemed to me like that their mother must have taught them selfishness. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 and 21 says that the mother of Zebedee's sons, or the mother of James and John, came to Jesus with her two sons, and she knelt down before him, and she asked Jesus, she said, please, grant my sons to sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left hand, in your kingdom. That's pretty bold. 
Instead of being incredibly thankful that out of, that, that out of only 12 men that, that were picked by Jesus, only 12 were picked out from Jesus to be his disciples, and both of her sons were picked. But instead of being thankful, she allowed her selfish nature to kick in and to see how far she could push the envelope. My son's youngest daughter is Addie. She's nine. Addie is awesome. Uh, she's a hoot. She's fun. She's energetic. She's outgoing. She's full of attitude. That's Addie. And my son says that one day he and Addie were eating lunch at Whataburger. And my son said that he reached over and he took one of Addie's fries and ate it. And Addie said to her, Daddy, these are my fries. You can't have any of my fries. And Chad said, No, these are not your fries. I paid for the fries. Therefore, they are actually my fries. Isn't that the way we are with God? God says, pay a tithe to my house so that my work can be, can be financed. And we say to God as we look at our money, don't mess with my fries. We look at our money and we say, God, these are my fries. God says to us, give an offering to pay for the furnishings of my house. And again, we say, we say, God, God, you're messing with my fries. God, these are my fries. But God says, no, they're not your fries. They're my fries. I paid for these fries. God says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God says you don't really own anything. God says everything that you have is on loan to you. God says you are actually only a steward or a manager of my property. We're talking about some enemies of thankfulness this morning. Now you would think that you and I would be incredibly thankful for all of God's incredible blessings that he's blessed us with. Because the poorest among us is actually rich in comparison to most people in the world. If you were here last Sunday, you heard me give the statistics that over half of the world lives on less than $2 a day. Less than what you spend at Starbucks on your way to work. You heard me say that, that if you make $35,000 a year yourself or you and your spouse together, if you make $35,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of all wage earners in the entire world. And if you make $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of all wage earners in the world. That makes you rich. 
Listen, if you've got a house to go home to today, if you, if you drove a car to church, if you have more than one set of clothes, oh, if you have enough food to eat, I'm telling you this morning that all of us here today are blessed, abundantly blessed. All of us are wealthy. Compared to everybody else in the world, we're rich. You would think that we would wake up every single morning with a heart filled with gratitude. But instead, we clutch our stuff close to us and we scream, mine, mine. Oh, we're quick to cry out, my fries, my fries. You can't have any of my fries. Our very own selfish nature is one of the biggest enemies of thankfulness. And you would think, you would think that the more that a person has, the easier it would be for them to be thankful and the easier it would be for them to be generous. But the truth is, the more a person has, the harder it is for them to let go of it. Did you know statistics tell us that the poor are actually more generous than the rich? Can I tell you who is throwing a dollar or, or a, few, a couple of quarters or whatever to, in the bucket of that man holding will work for food? It ain't the rich people. The rich people are rolling down their window saying, get a job. It's the poor people. They're throwing the money in the bucket. Amen? Documented fact, percentage-wise... The more a person has, the less they give away, percentage-wise. Statistics tell us that the rich give 3.1% of their money away to church and charity. The rich, 3.1%, they give away to church and charity. That's an average across the board. The poor give 5.2% away to church and charity. I don't quite compute, does it? You'd think that the more that I have, the easier it would be for me to give. Oh, oh, it doesn't even hurt some people to give. But no, the more that we have, the more that we look and say, these are my fries and get your cotton-picking hands off my fries. It's mine. I worked hard for it. Man, I deserve it. And I'm going to keep it. The more we have, the more we want. The more we have, the more likely we are to cry out. You can't have my fries. Talking about some enemies this morning, some enemies of thankfulness. Enemy number two, society. Society. Ungratefulness runs rampant in our society. It's literally everywhere. Entitlement. Entitlement is the name of the game today. Oh, everybody feels entitled. I deserve it. I deserve it and more. That's the attitude of most Americans today. May I suggest that ingratitude starts with our associates. 
Now, I know I talk about this a lot, but it's been a while since I have, so here we go again. Kind of like that preacher that preached the same sermon in revival every night, and finally the pastor asked him, it's Friday night, and he preached the same sermon every night, and he said, don't you have it? Is this the only sermon you've got? He said, no. When your people start acting on this one, I'll go to the next one. I don't know, it keeps coming up. When you start acting on this, I'll go to something else. Truth of the matter is, we better be very, very careful who we hang out with. Because the spirit or the attitude of the people that we associate with will be the spirit or the attitude that we will eventually have. I've told you this before, but it bears repeating. I, I, I have purposely disassociated myself from certain preachers down through the years. Purposely will not hang with them. Because I didn't want their negative, suspicious, ungrateful attitude getting on me. Because it just seemed to me all they ever wanted to talk about was how bad, how hard ministry is. And every time they got together, they just talked about how hard it was to be in ministry. <laughs> or they talk about some deacon board that mistreated them. Or they talk about how bad the leadership was at the district. Hey, I'm not naive. I've been around the block. I know the church isn't perfect. I I know leaders are not perfect. I know there's some bad deacons out there. I'm aware of the disappointments in ministry. I've been disappointed in ministry before. But I'm pretty sure things aren't all peaches and cream where you work either. So preacher, stop your whining. Put your big boy underwear on. (laughs) I refuse to associate with people on a regular and a consistent basis who bring a dark cloud of gloom and doom with them wherever they go. But instead, I choose to associate with people that carry around with them a spirit and an attitude of thankfulness. Oh, oh, I I choose to hang around people that speak words of faith. Oh, I choose to hang around people that have a constant praise on their lips and a song in their heart. Ephesians 5 and 19, Paul said, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And make music to the Lord in your heart, he says. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to truly develop a consistent heart of thankfulness. We're going to have to be very strategic and intentional about it. Oh, This starts with our associates or who we allow to get close to us, who we hang out with, who we allow to be a part of our life. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, he says, don't team up with unbelievers. Don't team up with unbelievers. Now, now I understand that this, is, this verse is speaking primarily about not teaming up with or yoking up uh, and yoking ourselves together with the unsaved. I understand that. But the principle here is much broader than that. 
How about people who, though they may be saved, and maybe they had enough faith to get saved, yet they don't have enough faith to believe God for anything besides salvation. And so they are constantly doubting. And, oh, they are consistent skeptics and they are continually speaking negative, pessimistic, hopeless, cynical words. Don't team up with people like this. Love them, yes. Fill your life with these kinds of people. No. Society is an enemy of thankfulness. But not only do our associates contribute to and promote ungratefulness, but also advertisers. Advertisers. The advertiser's number one goal is to make you unhappy and ungrateful with what you have. And everywhere we turn, we hear the same message. And the message is, you cannot possibly ha be happy with what you have. And the only way that you can be happy is if you buy <laughs> whatever this particular advertiser is selling. Amen. Might be a new car, might be a new outfit, might be a new gadget. I have a friend who hardly ever comes to the golf course with the same driver. Every time I see him and every time I play golf with him, he has a new driver. The latest and the greatest. Here's what I've noticed. He can play bad golf no matter what driver he shows up with. Did you hear about the lady that came home and she had been at the mall and she came home and she told her husband she bought a new dress at the mall. And the husband said to his wife, you yielded to the devil. <laughs> the devil tempted you with that dress. You know we can't afford for you to buy a new dress right now. You know you got plenty of dresses and you you know that, that you failed as, you know the devil tempted you to buy that new dress. And he said, I'll tell you what you should have done. What you should have done, you should have rebuked the devil. And you should have said, get thee behind me, Satan. She said, honey, I did. But he said, "Woo, looks really good from back here too. I think you ought to buy it. May I tell you this morning, if we're going to develop a daily routine and consistent li lifestyle of thankfulness, we're going to have to learn how to tune out. Learn how to turn a deaf ear to. Learn how to totally ignore the advertisers. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says that in the last days there will be very difficult times. It says that people will love only themselves and their money. And they will be boastful and they will be proud and they will scoff at God and they will be disobedient to parents and they will be ungrateful. 
talking about enemies of thankfulness this morning. Notice the third and the last for today, and that is Satan. Satan. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says that the thief or the devil comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And I believe that one of the major weapons that the devil uses on us is the weapon of ungratefulness. And he tries his best to discourage us by causing us to become dissatisfied and unappreciative of what we have. He'll point out all of the flaws. He'll point out all of the imperfections. Oh, oh, he dangles forbidden fruit in front of our eyes. Oh, he makes false promises to us. He lies to us and he tells us that, that, that God, somehow God has somehow overlooked us and God has been unfair to us. And he'll point to other people and say, look how good God has been to them. Look what they have and you don't have that. And somehow he'll get us to believe in that God has somehow left us out and somehow God has been unfair to us. And he'll tell us that we deserve better than what God has provided us with. Because the devil knows that if he can get us to feel sorry for ourselves, oh, if he can somehow get us to believe that God has somehow wronged us and somehow God has shortchanged us, he knows that if he can only get us to, oh, to change our focus, oh, oh if only he can get us to focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. He knows that a spirit or attitude of dissatisfaction, oh, and ungratefulness can, can take us to a very dark place where we will become vulnerable and an easy prey for him. In order to com combat the devil, in order to keep his depressing spirit off of us, oh, we must develop a daily dose of of thankfulness. Nearly every single day I recite a list of things that I'm thankful for. I'm far from perfect and I have more than my share of flaws, but ingratitude is not one of them. And daily, nearly every single day, I recite a list of the things that I am grateful for and I am thankful for. And I remind God every day and thank Him every day for His unbelievable, incredible blessings upon my life. I do it every day in my prayer time. Again, I have my weaknesses and my flaws, but I'm seldom depressed. Seldom. And I'm so thankful because I know people that are and what a horrible thing it is. But I am seldom, very, very, very rarely do I battle depression. And I believe there's a lot that goes into that, but I believe that one of the reasons that I don't have a problem in that area is because, is because every single day I think about the goodness of God. Every single day I recite my list to God and I thank God for this, 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 and this. And every day I'm grateful and every day I'm thankful. See, I don't, I haven't forgot where I came from. I haven't forgot where I came from. The problem with a lot of people is they forgot where they came from. And I haven't
haven't forgotten where I could be today. But for the grace of God and the blessing of God upon my life. And I don't take things for granted. I don't. And I personally believe that thanksgiving is actually a secret weapon in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. Okay, Paul, anybody can tell us that. Ah, that sounds good, but how in the world do we do it? Be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. Okay? How? But, say but. But in everything, say everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. See, we got the prayer and the supplication down. Most people have forgotten about the thanksgiving part. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what is going to happen, Paul? Oh, if I do everything with thanksgiving and with gratitude, what is going to happen? Oh, he goes on to say the results in verse 7, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ, your Lord. I want to give you a homework assignment this morning, and I know you're going to do it. But I want to give you a homework assignment this morning. I want you to go home, and I want you to sit down with a pen and paper, and I want you to start a list of things that you are thankful for. And I want you to keep the list ongoing. Because you'll think of a lot of things to start with. But then throughout your day, you'll think, oh, yeah, I need to put that on my list. And so I want you to go back to the list, and I want you to put that on your list. And then when you're laying down to sleep, something else will come to you And throughout your day. And I want, you to, I want you to make the list, but I want you to keep it ending and keep it ongoing. And as God begins to reveal to you the, the next thing that he wants you to be grateful for and thankful for, I want you to put it on that list and just continually put it on the list. And then I want you to daily review the list. And I believe that it will be extremely hard for the devil to put a spirit of depression. Oh, it'll be hard for the devil to give you a spirit of dissatisfaction when you are constantly reviewing the list of the goodness and the blessing and the grace and the awesomeness of God and the list that you are grateful and you are thankful for. Not only will that do, do that for you, but it will also be hard for you to hang around that disgruntled, ungrateful, pessimistic, fault-finding friend when you are feeding yourself daily doses of gratitude. Can we get the worship team back in place very quickly and very quietly this morning, please? I want to finish today by giving you my ABCs of Thanksgiving. I've given them to you before, but according to my records, it's about six or seven years ago, the last time that I gave you my ABCs of, of Thanksgiving, so it's time to give them to you again, and I have updated them. My ABCs of Thanksgiving. I'm thankful, A, I'm thankful for Amber, Addie, and affection. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for Briley. 
and I'm thankful for birdies on the golf course. <laughs> I'm thankful for Chad. I'm thankful for church, and I'm thankful for coffee. I'm thankful for dad. I'm thankful for a defeated devil. I'm thankful for dedicated deacons. For the letter E, I'm thankful for Eliana, Evadon. And every blessing of God. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful for fatherhood. I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for golf. I'm thankful for grandkids. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for health. And I'm thankful for heaven. I'm thankful for insight. Increase and ideas I'm thankful for Jesus I'm thankful for joy and I'm thankful for justification I'm thankful for kids I'm thankful for kisses and I'm thankful for Krista I'm thankful for love I'm thankful for life and I'm thankful for liberty I'm thankful for mercy mother, marriage and Mexican food I'm thankful for the new birth and I'm thankful for the new Jerusalem. I'm thankful for opportunity and I'm thankful for optimism. I'm thankful for prosperity. I'm thankful for peace. I'm even thankful for people. And for the letter Q, I'm thankful my quiver only had two arrows in it. I'm thankful for my Redeemer. Oh, I'm thankful for rest. And I'm thankful for relationships. I'm thankful for security. I'm thankful for Sean. And I'm thankful for my staff. I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for tomorrow. And I'm thankful for the Grace Place. I'm thankful for undeserved blessings and I'm thankful for unity I'm thankful for vision I'm thankful for victory and I'm thankful for volunteers I'm thankful for worship I'm thankful for wisdom and I'm thankful for the word and for the letter X I'm I'm thankful that my sins are X'd out by the blood of Jesus. And I'm extremely excited about the future. And I'm thankful that my wife said yes 41 years ago. I'm thankful that I yielded my life to Christ. And I'm genuinely thankful for you. For you. 
And I'm thankful for the zillions of blessings, both past, present, and future. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise in His house. Give Him a shout of praise and gratitude and thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I want you to lift your hands this morning. Lift them as high as they'll go this morning as an act of surrender, but also as an act of, of, of praise and worship and adoration. Amen. Just tell the Lord how much you love Him and how thankful and grateful you are for His incredible and unbelievable blessings in your life. Would you give Him a shout of praise from your heart this morning? Amen. From your heart. Yeah, come on. From your heart. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. I know we're a, we're a clapping church, but I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to lift your hands right now. We're a clapping church. I understand that. But I want you to lift your hands right now. Lift them this morning as an act of surrender. Amen. As an act of, 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 of surrendering yourself to God. As an act of adoration and, and thankfulness and gratitude to God. Just tell Him from the very depth of your heart how great and how awesome that He is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
I want to end the service. I'm going to count to three, and I just want all of us in unison to just say, thank you, Jesus. You guys ready? One, two, three. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it was a bit corny, but it's all good. We are officially dismissed this morning. Thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest, don't forget to turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center. You guys have a wonderful afternoon.